The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us. I'm very glad that you're joining us here today on the Spirit of Recovery. We have people that are listening with us from across the United States and around the world, and it's great to hear from you. Uh, thank you so much for participating, for posting on our Facebook page, and for sending emails. And uh, I'm just delighted that you are uh, here with us on this great program called Spirit of Recovery. Know that um, I'm also grateful that you let your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about us here on Unity Online Radio. I'm very uh, glad to be broadcasting here on the topic of recovery and spirituality. And I know that our guests and the topics that we talk about are making a difference for you, that they're touching your heart, they're touching uh, your life, they're touching your recovery, they're touching everything um, about that uh, spirituality for you that's really making a difference. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable, and who are innovative. There are always people that are either in recovery themselves or people who work with or write for recovering people. And they're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. And know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery uh, live um, every week, or you can also listen on demand to our archives. We have several years of archives now. You can go to www.unityonlineradio.org backslash program backslash spirit of recovery and find the archives there. You can, of course, also listen um, on your iPhone. We want you to know that the Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. And so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or the family member or the friend of someone that's got the disease of addiction, whether or not you or they are in recovery or if you're just curious, just interested about the process of recovery, you are very welcome here um, on the Spirit of Recovery and we welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and an addictions counselor. 
I'm also a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. Uh, Years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And ever since that time, my walk has been an integration of unity principles and recovery principles. And that does keep me um, transforming my life, and it keeps me growing in ever deeper and ever richer ways. So I'm very glad uh, to have the opportunity to share these ideas these spiritual principles with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and in your recovery walk and in your life. So today our topic is the recovery top 10 and my guest is Alan Lyles. We're going to be talking today about what happens to us um, when we live in recovery. You know, uh, the point of recovery is not to just be in recovery. The point of recovery is to get a life. And so that really happens when we work the program, when we work our spiritual principles, when we develop and expand our spiritual awareness and our abilities. What happens is that we do get stronger. We get wiser. We get in deeper contact with our higher power. We find the love that that higher power is within and all around us. And what happens is that we start expressing qualities that have always been inside of us, but maybe we didn't know or we express them more fully. And so today, uh, my guest, Alan Lyles, is going to be sharing with us his uh, experience of his recovery top 10. And Alan is a Unity minister. Uh, he's been a Unity minister since 1993. He's also uh, been actively engaged um, in uh, a process uh, of the 12-step program and working that program as uh, a member of family and friend of people that have the disease of addiction, and he has uh, been very active in developing his own spiritual life. I really appreciate uh, Reverend Allen because he is somebody that's very sincere, that really does focus at depth on uh, spiritual development, on getting to know God and living a life of integrity. He has served Unity Ministry in Minnesota and Arizona. He's also been the VP of Public Relations for the 7-Eleven stores. That was his pre-ministry life. And he served six years as the Senior Director of Outreach, Books, and Multimedia for Unity School of Christianity. And he is the author of the pamphlet, Unity and the Twelve Steps, and the CD, Road Rage, which is something we could all use. I could anyway. So, Alan, thank you so much for being my guest today on Spirit of Recovery. My pleasure, and I'm glad to be here. Glad you're here. Okay. So, interesting. So, what happens to you, Alan, when you work a, a spiritual development program like In Unity and or 12 Steps and many other things? What What happens to your life? Well, I think it's a, a process of discovery. It's a process of learning. And for me, uh, as I look back over 25 years in recovery, I wanted to write down on paper what I thought were maybe the top 10 things that I've learned in recovery. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it, it sounds like it's really opened up uh opened up your life like it hasn't just been sometimes it's funny people think well recovery is um like this drudgery thing or like oh my i have some problem and so i have to i'm i'm doomed you know i'm doomed to 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 do these practices or whatever but that's not what it sounds like you're talking about i think for me anna it's been like uh, getting a master's degree or a phd in life and i think i've learned so much 
over the 25 years that, again, it, it's something that has uh, been a, a wonderful uh, experience for me, not only in recovery, really, but just in life in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... What are um, some of the things that, uh, what's one thing that's on your top 10 list there? Well, the number one thing that I I believe in recovery that I've learned is keeping the focus on me and myself will pay more dividends than any investment that I could ever make. It really helps me to realize that I'm responsible for my spiritual and, and human progress, for the decisions that I make that will determine my happiness or unhappiness, and whether or not I'm going to be fulfilled as a human being. I think when I keep the focus on myself, I really don't allow anyone else to control the agenda. And it's the one one place that I believe that I can make um, a difference is just keeping focused on me. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? It's really a process, too, and it leads into some of the other things on my top ten list. One way that I do it is, and this is the second thing that I had on the list, was minding my own business. And I've really developed a little series of four questions that I ask myself before I jump into someone else's problems. Number one, does the situation really concern me? Number two, what is my motivation for wanting to become involved uh, in in someone else's business? Number three, does the person that I'm thinking about taking a part in their life really want me involved? And if so, why? And the fourth thing is, will my getting involved help or hinder their spiritual or personal progress? So minding my own business is, is a corollary really to the first thing of keeping the focus on me. Mm-hmm. Could, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Alan. Would you tell us, um, and you can disguise uh, details here, when's the time you must have, to, to come up with those great four questions, which I love, you must have had something that happened where you didn't follow those, where you got in somebody's business. Could you tell I us a I, little? Yes, I, I think I can go back, and I think this might be true of many people, but for me, that really began when I was raising uh, a teenager. And uh, when my son and I became involved in some disagreements about certain things, uh, I wanted to jump in and control things, and I wanted to uh, take part in, in his own growth, as, as it were. And I think what I learned was that uh, in trying to do that, it was just a, a total failure. And to control someone else is just something that is out of our purview, I believe. But I think the uh, trying to uh, work with and deal with and counsel and and help um, one of your own children is really got to be one of the most uh, the biggest tests around. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah, because you feel like you obviously you're very involved with that person, but. But it's about learning a different way of uh, of being helpful to them. It makes me think about Myrtle Fillmore, who was the co-founder of Unity in her over 100 years ago. I think this is in one of the books. I don't know if it's in Myrtle Fillmore's Healing Letters or, or How to Let God Help You. But I remember something that she wrote. I guess it's an excerpt to a letter she wrote to somebody for, that made a prayer request where she's talking about just what you're saying about uh, basically letting your children 
live their own lives. And I thought how amazingly progressive that was for somebody over a hundred years ago to think about that. She was a wise person, and I think that she really had uh, exactly the right approach to it. You know, we want to be responsible and we want to help. That's most. That's the way most of us were raised, to be responsible for our kids. And we have to be up to a point. But, you know, there comes a, a moment when they're going to exert their own wishes and influence. And when we try to, to stand in the way of that, uh, most of the time that's going to end in frustration and failure. So... Again, minding my own business not only applies to family, but I think it applies in almost any situation. Mm-hmm. What happens for you, like when you're confronted in a, with a situation in life where you're, you know, you kind of wonder, uh, how do you really sit there and go through your four questions, which I'm going to ask you to tell us again in a minute here, because they're so good. I want to write them down. But how do you how do you really work that? Do you how do you do it? In the moment, it's very difficult. And for me, what I have to do is is try to separate myself from the uh, the moment when the question does come up, and really give it some thought because it's so easy uh, when you're confronted with a, an issue is to say yes or no, to become involved quickly before you really have a chance to think it through. So what I I try to do is maybe apply one of the the greatest uh, cliches uh, or maybe you can just say sayings that that I've ever heard and that is when someone asks you to do something or to become involved is wait a minute wait a minute and take the time to think take the time to really consider what's involved because sometimes what may seem like just a quick decision can turn into a, a lifetime commitment so uh, I just try to separate myself for a, a little bit of a time until I can think it through and and decide uh, whether or not I want to participate. Mm-hmm. That's great. Would you tell us those four questions again? Sure. Number great. one, does this situation really concern me? Okay. Number two, what is my true motivation for wanting to become involved? Mm-hmm. Number three, does the other person really want my involvement? And if they do, why? And number four, will my getting involved help or hinder their individual spiritual and personal growth and progress? Wow. That last one is is profound. Um, all of them are, but especially that last one, will it help or hinder them? That's such an issue. You know, I think sometimes we do think, well, if I jump in, I'm going to help somebody, but not always. How is it that it can be harmful to jump in in somebody's business? I believe that life is a a progression of decisions and learning experiences. And one of the greatest things I've ever heard in recovery is who am I to stand in the way of a lesson someone else needs to learn? Because when we do that, It may be a good thing, or it may just be delaying for them the opportunity to grow. And uh, when when you do that, it just uh, puts puts things on hold for them. So I I would like to try to, you know, get out of the way and allow the person to experience uh, whatever their own free will decisions may create. It's not easy, but I think when you can do that, then they have the freedom to move forward uh, at their own pace. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's like a real kind of a profound respect for a person's individuality, I think. I, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's giving them the freedom to make their own choices and, and to experience the result of those choices. If If you're going to be constantly standing in the way of their lessons, then their progress could be delayed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. We got to focus on myself, pays dividends, mind my own business, and your four questions. What's another one of your top ten? Another another one is about expectations. And again, a great thing that I heard somebody say was expectations are the seeds of resentment. And I know that when I expect somebody to act in a certain way, whether it's good or bad, uh, there's a good likelihood that somebody will end up disappointed, and there's a better chance that that somebody may be me. So I need to keep my expectations of other people uh, in line with reality. Now, that doesn't mean allowing uh, anyone to treat you badly or not expecting good treatment from somebody, but it's it's really... Uh, believing that what you think somebody should do uh, is the way that they're going to react. And you can just be realistic about the expectations that you have of other people. Uh, That's going to guarantee a lot more serenity in your life. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, in our unity uh, philosophy, we do talk a lot about affirmations and, you know, setting intention and visualizing your good. How's that different from what you're talking about in terms of expecting expectations as the seeds of resentment? Well, I think uh, in the affirmations, to me, they're more general and they are really, uh, they're aimed mainly at at you. They're aimed at the person that's making the affirmation. Uh, What I'm talking about with expectations is expectations of other people acting in a certain way. Uh, I can affirm that something is going to happen for me but when I start affirming that something's going to happen for someone else that relates to me, then then there's a possibility that my expectations are not going to be met. And for many people, when they do have expectations and they they are not realized, they become resentful and, and angry about it. And so I want to, to avoid that if at all possible and, and keep my expectations at a overall high level for the way people act and the way the people are. But the truth is uh, you cannot really, uh, you know, anticipate that somebody's going to behave in a certain way. You may hope they will, but it, it's not always certain. And if you always expect a particular behavior and don't get it, it just leads to ongoing frustration. Right. Thank you. My guest is Reverend Alan Lyles. He's a unity minister and works the recovery program. And we're going on break right now. We'll be right back to keep talking about recovery's top 10. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you.
Join Mark Nepo and Daniel Namod at Unity Village for The Exquisite Risk, Daring to Live an Authentic Life, September 19th through 22nd, 2013. Learn more at unityvillage.org slash N-E-P-O. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Recovery Top 10. And my guest is Alan Lyles. Alan is a Unity Minister, and he's been working Recovery Principles for 25 years. Um, Alan is deeply involved in his spiritual development as uh, personally and as a minister. He's the author of the pamphlet, Unity and the Twelve Steps, and the CD, Road Rage. He has served ministries in Minnesota and Arizona and has been the VP of Public Relations for 7-Eleven Stores and Senior Director of Outreach Books and Multimedia for Unity School of Christianity. So Alan is uh, doing a wonderful work here today sharing with us his top 10 recovery ideas, and they are very rich. Before Alan and I get back to our conversation, I'd uh, like to invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute for a moment of uh, sharing a constructive idea for a moment of quiet, listening to some beautiful music. So I invite you to take a deep breath, to allow that breath to exhale so you relax and share with me this constructive idea. My recovery is a joyful experience full of gifts. My recovery is a joyful experience full of gifts. Let's take a moment now in the quiet.
Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that uh, you did find that moment relaxing and an opening up to the presence of your higher power. And now we're back to my discussion with my guest, Alan Lyles, and talking about recovery top 10. So we've been talking about keeping the focus on yourself, minding your own business, about not having those expectations of other people that can lead us into resentments. What's number four of one of your top 10 recovery gifts? Uh, Boundaries. And Uh I believe that boundaries are not only important for football and baseball fields. I think that boundaries are essential to protecting my overall balance, my physical, mental, my spiritual well-being. I need to have boundaries because I want to preserve all of the uh, hard-earned gains that I've made in recovery. And I know that people constantly test our boundaries, not maybe consciously even, but I think that they do probe and test and see exactly where our boundaries are. And so, again, I think by keeping the focus on myself and minding my own business and, and managing my expectations and some of the other things that we've talked about, I think that I can uh, look at boundaries as a way to uh, insulate myself from being pulled one way or the other uh, against my will and and maybe in a way that is going to detract from the progress that I've made so far. Mm -hmm. Give us an example of uh, holding boundaries. Well, I think that we have uh, probably examples almost, almost every day. But it would be like if someone is asking you to do something or uh, take some action that is not in integrity with your own value system. In a way, they're testing your boundaries as to exactly how strong you are in standing uh, for what you believe in. And again, sometimes I think that the probes that we get from people are not on purpose, maybe they're they're thinking of their own self-interest or they're motivated by something that's important to them. But it's it's a little bit like just testing the waters with you as to as to what you will stand for or not stand for or do or not do. And it can be something small or something larger. But I believe that we do get tested quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh... Sometimes it can be so uncomfortable to hold a boundary or it feels like, you know, oh, I'm going to upset that other person. How do you do that? Um, do you say something to people if, if they're testing your boundary or not? Or I don't know, is it different in different situations? You know, I, I think it probably is not necessary to to make a direct statement that you're testing my boundaries. But I think what it... Uh, is going to demand is that whenever you feel like your boundaries are being uh, violated or tested or probed or whatever, to make a statement uh, that will tell the person or clarify the situation with the individual involved that this is the way you will act. And uh, a technique that I have seen and practiced myself at some point is that you can make the statement, and then if they still continue to test the boundaries, the uh, you can make the statement again, 
and if you have to, a third time or a fourth time. Uh, in other words, you, you state your position on something, and if they say, yeah, but what about this? What if, what if we could do it a certain way? But I found it's effective just to come back to the statement, yes, uh, that that's a certain, I see it a certain way, or no, I won't be able to do that. Uh, I think it's a, a technique that works, but you have to be sure that you can uh, keep doing it, stand your ground, and not be uh, swayed one way or the other. Mm-hmm. How does it tend to affect your relationships with other people when you set those boundaries? Well, I think for for me, honesty is always such a an important aspect of recovery that eventually what I believe will happen is that the, the other individual will respect you for that honesty. If they, if they don't respect your honesty, then you maybe should ask the question, is this someone that I really want to have a close relationship with? But honesty in, in recovery, honesty anywhere, honesty in life, is something that eventually I believe will command respect. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that, that what you're talking about, that boundaries and, and holding, you know, to your own sense of self is very spiritual and yet sometimes it seems like when at least we there's ideas maybe old ideas about spirituality that spirituality means that you just kind of go with the group that you do what people want you to do that you help everybody you know that kind of glommy how do you sort that out spiritual how is it spiritual to have boundaries well i see it a little bit different and to me Holding a spiritual high ground is not going with the crowd and not mm-hmm. necessarily agreeing to what everybody wants to do. Sometimes I think looking at things uh, from a spiritual uh, angle requires a lot more courage and a lot more, uh, you know, just being able to withstand what the pressure, peer pressure, or whatever it may be that's occurring. So I kind of see it a little bit differently. I think. To listen to our inner spirituality, and, and you know, we find that in meditation, we find that in prayer. That if we feel a very strong uh, direction or guidance about something, uh, often that is not going to be uh, popular. So I, I see that uh, going the spiritual route sometimes can be uncomfortable, lonely, and but uh, very important. Mm-hmm. Tell us some more about that. Uh, it's interesting what you said about prayer and meditation can, you know, maybe, maybe hear your inner guidance or may not be so much the popular thing. Or how? Tell us more about how the prayer and meditation fits into into this boundaries and sense of Well, they're self. on my top ten list. And oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Prayer and meditation to me are the golden gifts from God. Mm-hmm. And they help me stay connected to what I believe is the source of all good, all wisdom, and knowing that I can turn to God any moment of the day or night or whenever, that really offers a lot of comfort and support. Prayer and meditation, to me, are key. And listening to God and, and meditation, praying to God, and mainly uh, maintaining that connection with Spirit is an absolute uh, top ten in any recovery list as far as I'm concerned. Because what I do know is that 
God has only the best in mind for me, and God is God is good all the time, and God wants my life to be a good and a positive influence on other people. So being in meditation, praying, and taking time every day to go um, apart is is crucial. And for me, the time I usually do that is in the morning. And I try to maybe get up a little bit earlier than I ordinarily would and, and spend at least an hour or so in the silence and reading uh, scripture, uh, reading uh, positive, uh, uplifting types of books, information, and, and that's, that sort of thing. And then meditating and trying to discern what God's will might be in my life and being willing to turn my will in my life over to the care of God as, as I understand God. I think are just the uh, crucial part of, of my spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Do you, when you go into meditation, do you? Uh, I'm, I don't know how you do it. Everybody does it differently, but so I think it helps people to hear how different people do it. it. Gives us all ideas. Do you ask a specific question, or you just remain open, or use an affirmation, or what's what's sort of how you do that? Well, generally, again, I will read something, either uh, scripture or something uh, that kind of sets the stage for uh, making the connection. But then sometimes, uh, yes, I will have specific questions. Other times, I will just listen mm-hmm. and uh, listen to whatever maybe. And, and sometimes it's not even the still small voice. Uh, sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a, just an, an overall um uh, feeling of of something that comes, and so I think everybody does it differently. The one thing I really uh, know about meditation is there are no perfect formulas, and there are no perfect meditations. They're just individual experiences in the silence, and it may come in a, a one minute meditation, it may come in an hour meditation, but the main thing is just being in the silence and being open and receptive and being um, interested in establishing an ongoing connection with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some other um, of your top ten list? What else is on there? Well, another biggie for me is humility. And that doesn't mean being humiliated. It means becoming aware of my overall place in the, in the universe and accepting my human limitations to control other people and and just knowing that uh, when I can uh, be humble before God and when I can just be open and receptive to God's will for me, uh, then I'm going to I'm going to find that whatever God has in mind is going to be in my best interest. I do know that uh, this is not an age of humility that we're living in. It's an age of of uh, the ego, and everybody is out there. It's uh, an age where the people who seem to uh, yell the loudest or talk the loudest uh, get the most attention. But I really believe behind the scenes that there's a lot of wonderful things that are happening in our world, and I think they're being done by people who are who are humble and who are interested in serving God but not necessarily receiving all of the accolades that go with it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's really interesting. I the other day I just happened to be reading in the twelve and twelve twelve steps and twelve traditions um, of the Alcoholics Anonymous book. I like to 
read that. And um, it was talking, I don't remember which tradition it is, but anyway, it was talking about that whole idea of, of leadership and that leadership isn't about being out there, you know, as you're saying, being the loudest voice, but it is about being willing to be of service and that it's not about getting the accolades, but it's being, the fulfillment is in doing God's will. It's fascinating. I love love to read that. Absolutely. Well, I, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. And again, I know you wrote the pamphlet, Unity and the Twelve Steps. Tell us a little bit about how this jives with unity. I do believe that there is humility in the unity teachings, that they teach humility, but it's not always so obvious. And sometimes people get a little carried away, I think, with, you know, I'm wonderful and, I, and I'm God and all this business and, and don't maybe quite get the whole picture. So how would you square the concept of humility with uh, the unity philosophy? Well, I think humility uh, and, and unity is believing that God is good uh, all the time. I think a lot of people come into uh, recovery. A lot of people are uh, looking at God as, as maybe a punishing God or why has God uh, allowed this to happen in my life. And I think when you become open and receptive and, and more humble and receiving God's wisdom, I think that you're going to find your life is going to improve. But for a lot of people, they've got to believe that God is good. Because if they see God as a punishing God, it's going to be very difficult for them to have the confidence that they can turn their will and their life over to the care of God as they understand God and allow God to really become an important factor in their lives. Uh, You know, unity principles, prayer and meditation, of course, is a, a very important aspect of that. I think beholding the Christ in other people, looking for the Christ that, that resides, I believe, at the core of each one of us and is a, a bedrock unity principle. I think a lot of people that come into recovery, they see other people as the enemy. So being able to turn that around and, and look for the Christ within other people and I think that's going to be a, a major change for uh, from uh, the viewpoint of anyone. I think unity also talks about the, the law of mind action where as you, as you believe, so you are, and that your uh, thoughts really control your eventual destiny. And I think, again, with uh, the 12 steps that you're, you're coming around, to the point of view of, of being teachable, of being able to learn what uh, what life is really all about. So the ego is a formidable foe, though. The ego is going to resist that because it tends to personalize everything that happens. You know, it's all about me. It's all about what this means to me. And turning it around and and humbly asking God to to really take control of your life and to remove your shortcomings, I think, is a major, it's kind of the ego's last stand, that the ego is going to fight that to the bitter end. But uh, when you can do that, I think it's going to make a tremendous difference in anyone's life. Okay, thank you. It's uh, time for our break. My guest is Alan Lyles, Unity Minister, working a recovery program. We're talking about Recovery Top 10. This is Spirit of Recovery. We'll be right back. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, 
and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Recovery Top 10. And my guest is Alan Lyles. Alan is a Unity Minister, and he is a person who's also been working these recovery principles for 25 years. And he is really committed to his own spiritual development and facilitating that spiritual growth and development uh, for others, for those people that he works with. And so um, Alan is really sharing with us some uh, very profound and helpful, thoughtful ideas about his recovery top 10 gifts. So before the break, we were talking about humility. So what else is on your list, Alan, of those top One 10? One thing that uh, really is I've found over the 25 years is that I believe life is a series of lessons. And I believe that we all uh, come into this parenthesis with certain lessons to learn, uh, maybe one lesson more than another in particular. And in my life, I believe that my uh, number one lesson is forgiveness. And what I think is that we're, whatever the lesson may be, it could be responsibility, strength, courage, wisdom, compassion, whatever it may be, that we'll find a lot of opportunities uh, to practice that uh, during this particular time on earth. And I think along with that as a corollary, and this is one of the key things that I have really learned, that, and some of it has maybe been a hard lessons to learn, is that sometimes what I think is maybe the worst thing that ever happened to me will eventually turn out to be the best. And when I can practice forgiveness and when I can look for the maybe the more uh, hidden or obscure meanings uh, or meaning in what has happened, 
that I'm going to find a blessing. And it's going to be something that's going to eventually, maybe not at the time that it occurs, but eventually be something extremely positive for me. And the, the thing is that I don't believe we really understand at the moment something happens, whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. Some things are obviously good. Some are obviously bad. But many, uh, for example, uh, in my own case, I can recall that uh, when I took an early retirement from uh, 7-Eleven, I'd been there for 20 years, and they had um, a policy that you could retire after 20 years if you were about to turn 50 or whatever, and I took it. At the time, a lot of people thought that that was a bad decision, but it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. Uh, four years later, as I was in ministerial school, 7-Eleven was in bankruptcy. So I was really blessed to make that decision at the time. And I think that there are many, many situations that occur in our life. It could involve a relationship. It could involve a loss of a particular uh, uh, thing, a business or something like that that maybe in the long run is going to be proved to be the best thing that ever happened to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, that's that's a big one. That's important. Helps us get through those hard times is to see, step back and see that bigger picture, to see that there is a blessing. That's for sure. And I think forgiveness is a key integral part of that. And I think being willing to forgive a situation that, again, maybe at the time seems to to really be negative, uh, is is one of the factors that may eventually turn it to the positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes a, yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. What's another one of your top ten? Without question, something that I really uh, try to practice on a regular basis, and that is gratitude. And I think when we can be grateful, I, I think that that's going to open up and unlock a lot of the the joy and the happiness of life. And I was reading the other day, Anna, in the paper about a a test that uh, two psychologists have done where they had a a control group of three different types of people. One one group just wrote down what happened to them during the day. The second group uh, recorded all of the negative things that happened. And the third group every day had to do a gratitude list of things that they were grateful for. And what the results of the test showed was that the people who were keeping the gratitude list and they were expressing gratitude every single day, they had higher levels of enthusiasm, of of alertness, optimism, energy. They had less depression and stress, and they were able to achieve their own personal goals uh, a lot more effectively. And yes, that maybe that's the power of positive thinking. I, I don't know, but I think being grateful for all of the things that that uh, we experience in our lives, or finding things to be grateful for and people to be grateful for, can really open us up to uh, just a, a wonderful world of of joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, just that ability to. It, as you said, it opens things up. It keeps, if we clamp down on with uh, emotions that are constrictive, it, it the flow stops, or we, you know, 
we're not flowing with things. We keep keep the good out. I well, think. and we have so many things uh, to be grateful for, and many things. Of course, all of us do this. We take things for granted, but when you really think about the the many wonderful things and the people that we have in our life and the experiences that most of us have had uh, that you know, were positive experiences and that have taken us to this, and even the negative experiences which have taken us to this point and this moment in time, there is so much to be grateful for. Just a beautiful day. Uh, you know, uh, I'm here in Minnesota. The sun is shining. Yes, it's a little warm, but it's still a wonderful day and a beautiful day, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the rainy days, too, because sometimes it's the rainy days that teach us the most important lessons. Right. That's true. What's the next one on your list? Well, I think we've covered almost all of them. I think one that I may or may not have mentioned is responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of times that when when uh, maybe negative things happen or something happens that's not so pleasurable, that we do tend to look around and try to find someone to blame other than ourselves. And what I have really learned in, in, in 25 years of recovery is that I am responsible. I'm responsible for my happiness. I'm responsible for my uh, whatever may be going on in my life. I can't blame anyone else. I've got to assume the responsibility that if something needs to be changed, I'll have to be the one to change it. So I try to stay away from blame, try to stay away from judgment. It's not easy trying to look for some uh, someone that I can say, well, if they had only done this or this had only happened or, or you know, this, this uh, you know, has kept me from realizing what I wanted to achieve. If I can just understand that in the, in the long run, I am the one responsible and again, I think that's a healthy way to uh, to look at life, and I think it's a healthy way to approach life, is not to uh, try to find someone else to blame for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of difference, uh, doesn't it, in terms of one's ability to create your own joy and to, you know, to find, express what you want to express your dreams and to fulfill those it makes a big difference in that for sure. Well, some things that didn't make the list, but uh, I think that still are very important in recovery. And some people call them slogans. Some people call them uh, cliches. Uh, you know, some people might just refer to them as as things that they should know. But the uh, the wonderful slogans like. Let it begin with me, let go and let God, listen and learn one day at a time. How important is it? How important is it is something that that I try to remind myself when I find myself going into judgment or find myself upset or angry about, about something. And especially things that I really have no control over. I think that's a, that's a key one for me. Just for today is a good one. Keep an open mind. Uh, progress, not perfection. We are a perfectionistic society. We want to do everything perfect, whether it's a meditation or whether it's a relationship or anything. And at some point, uh, making progress and, and going one step forward uh, instead of one step backward might be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when you're uh, talking about those and, and really everything you've said today, Ellen, what I get is this idea of a sense of, of balance, a sense of uh, peacefulness, a sense of serenity. Would you say that's the essence of, of what you what you learn? Yes, I, I think it all works together. I, I really don't think it's just maybe one thing uh, that helps keep us in balance. I think it's a lot of things. Uh, the world has a way of knocking you off balance. It has a way of creating situations that uh, cause you to lose your focus. It happens to everybody. You know, it can happen uh, tonight. It could happen in the morning to any of us. And I think it's uh, it's looking into your uh, quiver of, of arrows that you have or, or your, your bag that you have that you carry with you, your recovery bag, and when one area maybe uh, gets a little soft or goes down, that you can look to something else to help you get back on track. But uh, keeping in balance is absolutely uh, the critical thing in, in the long run. And so all of these different things of, of minding our own business and keeping the focus on ourselves and uh, establishing boundaries and uh, asking the questions before we jump in and take control of someone else's spiritual path, I, I think all of those things work together for good. Mm-hmm. In ministry, have you found these to be helpful um, to you as a minister? Absolutely. I, I think they're not only helpful in ministry, they're helpful in life. But I think that uh, as a minister, uh, there are times when maybe you'll be tempted to uh, jump in and try to take control of a situation uh, when you should step back and allow the situation to work itself out. That's not always true, but it, it does happen a lot. I think in ministry that boundaries uh, are crucial. Uh, you know, when when you're a minister, you have maybe a different set of boundaries uh, that you might have just as a private individual, but they're just as important. And again, it goes back to maintaining integrity and and uh, just setting your own value system and, and allowing that to guide your direction. Again, with a healthy dose of uh, prayer and meditation. Because that's where the guidance in, in ministry, I think, really makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Right. We're really centered centered in, in God and remembering what it's all about, really. It's about God, not about you. <laughs> that's the hard part. That's hard, that's hard to, to keep in mind sometimes because even as a minister, there's a tendency to feel uh, that maybe some people may put you on a higher pedestal, and that's true, and, and that's fine. But you really have to keep that balanced and, and keep it in perspective and and really make a make sure that your your overall uh integrity and, and value system are not compromised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So as we're coming to the end of our time here today, what's uh your what would you like us most to remember, Alan, from today? That we have within us the solution to every problem and that we can uh, have progress and not perfection and and still be uh, uh, loved by God and, and um, that we are a child of God and that God wants only the best for us and that God wants us to be restored and whole. That's what recovery is all about is a 
restoration to wholeness. And I think that that's possible. I think that's what spirit wants for each one of us. And I think we have within our own power the opportunity to make it all happen. It's not outside of us. It's inside. And when we can turn within, then we'll find the guidance and the wisdom that we need to uh, have the life that we want to have. Alan, thank you so much for being my guest today here on The Spirit of Recovery. Thank you all for listening, and we got a lot today about Recovery Top 10. God bless you. We'll be back next week with The Spirit of Recovery. Thanks again, Alan. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. 
Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.